And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. And so we enter a new chapter in one of football's biggest transfer sagas Kylian Mbappe and Real Madrid. Are PSG doing the right things to keep him? How might his relationship with teammate Neymar influence his views? Here we go. Everything we need to know about the past, present, and future destination of football's biggest star. I'm Ian Irving, and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Tête de Kylian Mbappé. Allez, Allez Kylian And he's through there towards Mbappe. What a start! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Right from kickoff, and the big three combined. You also said you want to leave PSG. Do you regret that? I regret no, because uh, I was honest. I gave, uh, I gave a feeling. Uh, I gave what I have on my heart. And I think nobody can say something bad about it because it's a feeling, it's personal. But, but of course, I'm happy to stay. Kylian Mbappé va rester jusqu'à 2025. Kylian Mbappé is staying until 2025. President of Real Madrid says PSG forward Kylian Mbappe must have changed his dream after the France striker decided against signing for the Spanish and European champions. Madrid, is that over? Is that dream over? Never over, uh, never over. The only thing is that now I've seen a new contract three years more and you never know what can happen in the future. Uh, it's for that uh, I give up to think about the future. I think only in the present and the present is I sign a new contract three years more in Okay, joining me today to talk Kylian Mbappe, the twists and the turns around a possible move. We have the Athletics' Adam Crafton and Mario Cortigana, who covers Real Madrid for us as well. Mario, thank you for coming on. I'll talk to you in a moment about your piece that's up on the Athletic at the moment. But first of all, Adam, in Mbappe, we're talking about the superstar of world football now, aren't we? He's the best player, clearly, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think the World Cup probably confirmed that once and for all. I know, obviously, he didn't win the final, but... I, th- you know, I was lucky to be there on, on, on that final and the kind of 40 minutes he produced from the moment that it went to 2-1 until the end of extra time was just, it was, it was like nothing I've ever seen live at a football match, really. It was, it was sensational. We see it from, a, from an international point of view, obviously at World Cups and European Championships. We see it in, champion, in Champions League games, but I think there's always been this sense of should he be a bigger league than the French league, whether that's the Spanish league, whether that's the Premier League. The challenge of all of that is he so far has been a club that's been able to outpay everyone else on the market at various different points, Um, whether that's Real Madrid or Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool. I mean, all these clubs would love to have him, but PSG have just continually put their hand in their pocket, used all their political clout with, you know, involving the French president, Emmanuel Macron, 
last summer, got him on the phone to Mbappe to keep him at the club as well. But he's still young enough to have that transfer. And and, and the most remarkable thing, because some people will be listening to this and thinking, didn't he sign a three-year contract last summer? Well, yes. Not really. But it wasn't really because it was a two-year plus one. And it was kind of the deception of the moment from PSG and Mbappe's point of view to say, you know, he's staying for another three years, but it, it later emerged that it was two years plus one. So that means he actually now goes into this summer with a year left on his contracts unless they exercise an option. And we're not quite sure what the different clauses are that means that that option would be activated or whether it just needs both the player and PSG to sign up to it. Yeah, it's all very political, isn't it? Whether it's the involvement of of Macron in keeping him at PSG, um, obviously the Qatari ownership of PSG and the officials involved with that, even the propaganda of that 2025 shirt and everything else as well. I called it a saga at the top of um, the top of the intro to the podcast, and it already is that, isn't it? Because last summer had so many twists and turns just in those few months, really. What was your view of it, Adam? You were writing about it in in November. You've written about it a lot over your time with the Athletic as well. Um, how close do you think he was to to joining Real Madrid in the summer? Really close, but at the same time. Never underestimate PSG, PSG and never underestimate Qatar when they decide they want something and they want something to happen because I think it's fair to, you know, all the expectation, I think even from the player himself, was, you know, for, throughout last season that he'd be leaving PSG. And then all of a sudden, you know, they kind of start love bombing him and they managed to, co- to to come to this agreement. I think Real Madrid were surprised by it. I think even, you know, if you think about when Man City went for Erling Haaland, you know, remember that deal was done before the summer, really. One of the reasons why Real Madrid probably didn't go as hard for Haaland was thinking, well, we're going to be getting Mbappe. Maybe we go back for Haaland further down the line. So, so there was this kind of knock-on effect on the whole market. It's been a huge soap opera. I think PSG were very annoyed by what they felt was a kind of arrogance from Madrid around, you know, that it would be an inevitability that this, this great player has to belong to the great club Real Madrid, that this, this superstar has to go and play for the aristocratic club of Europe, whereas just because we're the new boys, it doesn't mean we don't get to keep the best player for some of his best years. And I think in the end, you know, yes, Macron got involved. The money was obviously massive. He's the best played player in the world. But I don't know, I mean, it depends who you believe. I mean, PSG insists that the offer in the end wasn't so different from PSG or Real Madrid. You can make your own mind up on whether you, whether you believe that or not. But at the same time, it's been very strange because since he agreed to stay at PSG, you would have thought, well, he decides to stay, okay, then it will kind of go away for a bit. But actually, it was almost like as soon as that happened, it all started kicking off again. The opposite. It was really strange. So you had, in the summer, the sporting director, Luis Campos, goes into PSG. Leonardo goes out. That was something that PSG thought, yes, it would be a good move. But also, it was someone that Mbappe knew from Monaco previously. Christophe Gautier came in as coach. But all of a sudden, he was unsettled again. And he, he didn't seem to be very happy about the summer transfer business. And then all of these stories emerged, I think, was it September, around September time to say that he might even try to leave the club as soon as this January. Initially, those stories were not, quite, were not played down by people close to Mbappe. 
those stories were not rejected by people close to Mbappe. PSG tried to put a lid on it and said, we don't know anything about this. And then it was only, I think, sort of later that week or the following week that Mbappe then came out and said, oh, I don't know where these stories came from. It wasn't from my entourage, et cetera, et cetera. So it's always been very, very unsettled. I think PSG, now that they have a year left, plus one potentially, I think if they got the right offer this summer, they would do business because I think they would view it as, you know, we kept him for the World Cup, which was obviously really important from a Qatar perspective. Uh, we've kept him for another year. Maybe we win the Champions League with him and Messi. But if the right money comes, it's t- it might just be time to move on. Yeah, Mario, I'm going to bring you in at this point because you sum it up perfectly in your introduction to your piece on The Athletic this morning. Real Madrid have not forgotten about Kylian Mbappe and Mbappe has most definitely not forgotten about Real Madrid. How do you understand the situation? Because... Mbappe to Real Madrid feels like an obvious transfer, but there's so much that goes into that and so many details and so many counterclaims and claims and everything else that it makes it hard to work out exactly what the, the true picture is. So the story is not over. This is the, the main headline. Florentino Perez, other people at Real Madrid are trying to put that idea in the Spanish media. The same Spanish media that Florentino used to to leak that uh, the deal was was done with Ilian Mbappé now are being used to to send a different uh, a different idea because they are afraid about what happened in the past they are worried uh, because if uh, PSG know about these moves and they try to stop uh, any uh, a potential uh, move but definitely uh, Real Madrid have maintained the contact with uh, Mbappé in a very discreet way, both directly and indirectly with, with people involved in the, in the conversations. Mbappé and PSG, sources from PSG, confirmed it to me. Mbappé still wants to play for Real Madrid one day. And if you read between the lines of your piece as well, Mario, in terms of the, the what people are saying privately and publicly, there's a, there's a distance between the idea that Mbappe still wants to join Real and Real still want to to sign Mbappe to what's being said and and what you've written about what Mbappe's representatives are saying privately and what Real Madrid are, are thinking as well. They think that one day they are going to be together. It just needs time to see if it's possible because Real Madrid uh, are happy with the idea of Mbappe uh, still wanting to to join them, but they are worried because of uh, how the player and his entourage uh, behaved in the in the past so there there is a, a sentence uh, repeated from real madrid uh, board to join us mbappe should become again a just a football player because they see that uh, uh, with all of this uh, uh, commented by by adam about luis campos also, the, the signings, uh, we speak today about uh, Skriniar, Chouameni um, and Lewandowski as the main goals in the past uh, summer from PSG to, to make a, a big project for, for Mbappé, as Mbappé asked uh, about that uh, in order to win the, the trophy, the, the, the Champions League. Real Madrid see that they gave too much power and too much money to Kylian Mbappé and like 
uh, with all this, uh, with Luis, Luis Campos in the club, uh, with Macron, the president of French Republic, involved in the talks, with people very important from Qatar also involved in the conversations in May and and last year, Mbappé is kind of not, a, a of course, a regular football player. In terms of Mbappé to Real Madrid, Adam, it's maybe not the automatic transfer that it once was either. You look at the, the stars who have left La Liga in recent years, the, the, the Super League plot even, the, the battle against the Premier League, against English football. For Mbappé to go to Real Madrid... It is not the transfer that it perhaps would have been automatically 10 years ago. It's it's a different landscape now, isn't it? How important is this piece to Real Madrid's future, in your opinion? Well, they still win Champions Leagues. Clearly. When was the last time they signed a, a true world star, though, in that sense, at a, a Galactico of the past? No, you're yeah. right. I mean, their their strategy over the last few years has been whether intent, whether they would have preferred to sign superstars is another is another question. But the strategy they've, they've used has been smart. It's been young players. It's been Chuameni, Camavinga, Valverde. The Brazilians. The Brazilians, yeah. Yeah. And that's been, you know, largely it's Juni Calafat who's been behind a lot of that um, on, on the in the Real Madrid recruitment side. But I think, you know, it, it all brings in this sort of broader question about kind of new money and old money in football. It's the clubs that think... They are the biggest clubs in the world and should be should be locked in forever in the place where all the big players go. Your Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, AC Milan, Manchester United, kind of the Super League clubs. And then you have kind of PSG, Manchester City, Newcastle, Chelsea to a certain extent as well. This big perception of, of that continuing battle. We saw that when, when he renewed Mbappe with PSG in, in, in the summer, in May. There was this extraordinary statement, not only from Real Madrid, but from La Liga. La Liga put out a statement condemning, criticising PSG for renewing their own player, which is a really remarkable thing. You, I mean, you can't imagine the Premier League putting out a statement because Liverpool don't sign Jude Bellingham in the summer and he goes somewhere else. In English football, that is impossible. But I think it's, it's really a sign of a lot of the politics that's been going on behind the scenes in football in the past few years, whether that's the Super League, whether that's in Spain with uh, Laporta at Barcelona, Perez at Real Madrid, Javier Tebas, the La Liga uh, chairman who has been involved in trying to do these private equity deals and, and not getting Real Madrid and Barcelona in support of it. And it all comes in. I mean, you also have to remember PSG and Madrid their relationship was really, really bad after the Super League because PSG were one of the clubs, which matched by some people, that refused to go in. They didn't go in and people from other clubs were calling PSG uh, president Nasser Al-Khalafi saying, you know, the bus is leaving, you need to get on the bus. And he's saying, I'm not, <laughs> you guys are the ones falling off the bus. It, it didn't happen. I remember the, the, the first time I think that Perez and Al-Khalafi saw each other in person was before PSG played Real Madrid last season and they played in Paris and there was a lunch at a Michelin star restaurant in Paris. And the extent to which it was uneasy at the time is underlined by the fact they couldn't even agree what time they should meet. The first idea was to meet at 1pm. The other side said, no, we're going to meet at 1.30. So this went back and forth, back and forth. Eventually they agreed at 1.15 and Perez still turned up late <laughs> and then Al-Khalafi told him off for being late. So that gives you an idea of what the tension was like. And I think to an extent, why 
beyond how brilliant Mbappe is as a player, it was just too humiliating for PSG, particularly because they rejected 180 million euros the previous summer, maybe even 200 million euros the previous summer, to then lose him for free to this guy that they don't really like the next summer. So a lot of it was ego and pride and just the kind of politics of football all crystallising around this one superstar. Mario, in terms of affording Mbappe, how do Real Madrid do it? You've wrote in the piece that it's unlikely it's going to be a January move this month for him, maybe not even the summer. How do they actually make the, the numbers on this work? Real Madrid uh, feel like they they can't be in the battle with all these clubs. Uh, I mean, PSG, uh, Manchester City, um, uh, Chelsea... Uh, actually, Real Madrid uh, say and repeat that there is uh, like a Super League, that the Super League uh, does exist and it's uh, it's with the Premier League clubs. So uh, that's why they are trying to to sign Hendrik uh, as they do, as they did with Vinicius or Rodrigo or Fede Valverde or Camavinga. They have uh, saved a lot of money. Uh, by no not spending a lot of money each summer. If you you can check, uh, I I had a look uh, at uh, for example transfer mark. The balance uh, in the last summer has been very positive for Real Madrid. They are earning more money than spending since uh, 2020. In 2020, they they made a a big investment uh, with Hazard, Mendy, Jovi. But after that, Real Madrid have been saving uh, a lot of money. So the money uh, is ready, and especially because uh, it's. Uh, I don't see a move from Mbappé in January. It's considered impossible. I see very difficult also in summer, this summer, because all that about ego, uh, PSG have showed uh, to the world that they don't need money that they prefer to to lose a, a big player for free before that uh, that having to deal with uh, a club like Real Madrid. So uh, I think that uh, the move could happen uh, in the summer of uh, 2024. But Mbappé would be free to deal with Real Madrid, to negotiate with Real Madrid and even signing with Real Madrid from the next uh, 1st of January. It would mean that a, a big investment, the salary and, and so on, but uh, it would mean that Real Madrid wouldn't have to pay anything to PSG. I think the initial idea from PSG's side and certainly from Macron was France has the Olympic Games in 2024 and they really want Mbappe to be one of the overage players for France at that Olympic Games. So their idea was he stays until 2024 at least, but I do wonder whether, you know, at some at some point, and I know people will laugh at this because people think PSG do what they want with their, with financial fair play. At some point, PSG do have to just bring proper money in for their players. And I think if they were to get a big offer this summer, you know, and I mean, what, what do you call the price of Mbappe in any market? But Mbappe, when he's got a year left on his contract, maybe is a little bit cheaper than he would be you know, uh, last year, for example. How much will it take, Adam, do you think? 150. But why would you do that if you can do it for three, six months later? Well, they've done it before, Real Madrid, haven't they? Yeah. What Mbappé Camp told me uh, about what happened in summer is that uh, Liverpool 
tried uh, did like an approach in in July that uh, Antero Enrique and Nasser Al-Khelaifi asked 400 million. And so it was too much. Sorry, 400? 400? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Euros or pounds? I think it was euros because we we always speak in in euros. Mbappé didn't consider uh, to to go uh, to Liverpool because he still wants to play one day for Real Madrid. And now, speaking with a source, a senior source, at PSG, uh, the source told me that uh, in January the, a move would be impossible. In summer, almost impossible. That person told me like there is nothing uh, impossible in football, but we could ask like uh, 400 million or maybe uh, even not 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 putting a price uh, for for Mbappe. But it was interesting for me to to hear to hear again about the 400 million. Yeah, the more you talk about this situation, the more fascinating it gets. I, I get the feeling this isn't going to be the last time that we're talking about killing Mbappe and hundreds of millions of euros and pounds. Mario, thank you very much. People can go and read Mario's piece, of course, on The Athletic now to get the background of the exact situation between Mbappe and Real Madrid. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
to Adam. Let's get into more of the dynamic then of Mbappe at PSG. In your opinion, how happy is he? We're not really sure. I mean, he looks really happy at the World Cup with France, certainly compared to the year before at the Euros where he looked very much unhappy. He didn't score a goal. He missed the decisive penalty when they went out in the round of 16. I would expect him to look happier at PSG given, you know, given what he's earning and given... Uh, how they've moved things around to suit him at certain times. You know, one of the reasons why they got messy at the time was that they thought it would help, you know, keep Mbappe longer because he'd be desperate to play with Messi. And to be fair, even at the World Cup, I think the mother and father separately of Mbappe watched games in the PSG chairman Nasser Al-Khalifi's private box. The final against Argentina, Mbappe's dad watched that game in Nasser Al-Khalifi's box. So clearly, you know, the, the relationship is by no means ruptured or broken, but you always get the sense, I don't know if you've ever had this, when you're kind of interviewing someone in a mix zone after a game and you're interviewing someone that you think is, is interesting, but you might not be the most interesting person there and your eyes just sort of start wandering as in, who, as in who's next. And, and that's kind of the way <laughs> I sometimes feel about Mbappe and PSG. Who's next? Like, it's all right where he is, but he's always seems to be looking for that next for that next move. And the thing is, he's young enough to do that. He's not done anything wrong. You know, he's renewed his contract. He's really got a contract that's in his mm-hmm. interest. Two years gives him a huge amount of flexibility, particularly given the money that he's on as well. You could say there's a little bit of insecurity if he was to get a serious injury, for example, because he's not tied down. But, you know, there's been no sign of that so far. There are these ongoing questions about his relationship with Neymar. Though. Yeah, let's get into that because that is a very important aspect of of PSG's team dynamic at the moment. And it could be an extremely important aspect to Mbappe's future as well, because Neymar's as high profile as him. You know, aside from Messi, they are the two most high profile footballers for PSG, two of the jewels in the crown of the, the Qatari-owned PSG as well. This is not a situation that is helpful for anyone really, is it? No, no. And if you go back to... May, when he signs the new contracts, the day that he does that, they play against Mets uh, in the French League. He scores a hat-trick. You know, he's already scored, I think, over 20 goals for PSG this season as well. You know, it's not been a bad season. Well, that's another aspect, isn't it? All this talk, all this noise, all the speculation, everything else, all the links. His form hasn't suffered. No. He's the top scorer in Ligue 1. He's won the Golden Boot, the yeah. World Cup. He's got a hat-trick in the final. There's no sign of it affecting him. No, no. At all, not, really, not is Not at all. Not at all. But... You know, the conversations I've had around PSG are that, you know, there have been splits this season in the dressing room. Mbappe is very close with uh, Hakimi, the Moroccan defender. Kind of those two at times are being quite separated from the more Latin American cliques um, in the PSG dressing room. I think there was an on-row pitch, uh, sorry, on-pitch on row. Right way round. Yeah, with uh, Neymar over who should take a penalty against Montpellier. I mean, it's really like, it's like Sunday league pettiness <laughs> from them. And then there was also a clip very early in the season when Mbappe basically abandoned a counter-attack, as in all the players are running forward. He just stopped because he, a, a pass didn't come when he wanted it to come. So there's been that kind of body language stuff. He was also really annoyed by the speculation that his contract extension included clauses that he would have major decisions take, uh, sorry, a major say in decisions 
that would be taken by the club over transfers and over the identity of head coaches and sporting directors. It's in the idea that he could just walk into Nasser Al-Khalafi's office and say, we need to get rid of this guy, we need to get this guy in. I don't think it's quite like that. I think it's far more like if a company has someone that they really value, then they want that person to be comfortable and they want to include them sometimes in decision-making, right? And I don't think that... I know that sometimes sounds like a really scary idea in football because it, people talk about player power and there is a degree of that. But actually... It's not that unusual though, is it? At that no, level. but it's not that unusual, I don't think, either in football, but also if you look at many companies in, in whatever industry, right? If you've got people that are at the leading end of a company even if then it's not their usual role to be hiring and things like that. But it's not unusual for people to ask recommendations or say, yeah. you know, well, you might have played with this guy here or you've played against him there. What do you think about that? Due diligence in a sense, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah. So, You're not going to want to bring a problem into your organisation, are you, That with one of your key assets already? Yeah, exa- exactly. So I think that, that was some of the backdrop. And then there was a situation in October when PSG were playing a Champions League game against Benfica. And these stories emerged to say that Mbappe wanted to leave as soon as January. And Mbappe subsequently said, you know, I didn't understand why this story came out on the day of a game. I was as shocked as everyone. People can think I was involved, but I wasn't at all. I was having a rest and even my entourage were watching my own little brother play football and he plays for the PSG youth team. So that was kind of killed a little bit. But then there's been these ongoing stuff about He was asked to play through the middle when he prefers to play from the wing. That's now changed around. It was one of the reasons why, as Mario said earlier, that I think he would have liked them to go for Lewandowski. But PSG also went pretty hard for Scamacca, who went to West Ham in the summer from from Sassuolo. And the idea there was that Mbappe wanted a focal point for for him to play off so that he wasn't having his back to goal. Again, like, yeah, okay, he's good enough to play any of those positions. But if you've got the best player in the world, then you probably want to put him in his best position. It's all these different things amalgamated together where I think some people at PSG just start to think, what can we ever do to make this guy happy? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a little bit yeah. of it. As ever with PSG, the reckoning will be the second half of the season. The reckoning will be what happens in the Champions League. You know, that, Because when they go out of Champions Leagues, it's never just simple. It is always... a sort of a dramatic calamity, whether it was Real Madrid Madrid last season when they're 2-0 up on aggregate and then Benzema scores a hat-trick in the space for about 15 minutes. You've obviously got the famous one against Barcelona, the remontada. You've got the Manchester United last-minute penalty. Yeah, it's also a last hurrah possibly for Messi as well. He may end up staying. So I think that's interesting. In terms of the Neymar relationship, I think even Mbappe said himself, you know, relationships with some players are warmer with some players and cooler with other players. I don't think they make out that they're best friends. I think it has been difficult at times between them. I don't think Mbappe and Messi are particularly close either. But do you have to be close with your work colleagues? Apologies to all work colleagues listening, but you know, does Thanks, Adam. <laughs> how much does that really matter? Yes, you know, you want a great team spirit, but you know, as long as you're turning it on on the pitch and it's not negatively impacting the performances, then it doesn't really matter. What effect is all this having on on this popularity in Paris? What do Parisians think of Mbappe now? What do PSG fans think of him? I think the World Cup definitely helped. Stunning World Cup performance. He got a lot of criticism the previous summer because he, it combined a really poor Euros individually with his attempts to leave for Real Madrid. 
And it meant actually his first game back at the start of last season, he was booed by the home fans at PSG's home stadium. That was pretty extraordinary. He's also had, I mean, he's had, he's had big issues with the French Federation. Um, he didn't feel that they sufficiently supported him after he suffered racist abuse online uh, when he missed a penalty for France. He's had public disputes with um, the French Football Federation president, or well, his role's now in question, Noel Le Gray, as well. There's been disputes over commercial stuff about which adverts he'd appear in for the French Federation. So, you know, there's always been, he has a willingness to speak up, which, you know, when it's on issues such as racism and what commercial things he should, he should go and be involved with and all, all power to him. But I think it has at times left, in, in other situations, it's left PSG in particular, just as I said earlier, just wondering like, what, what do we need to do to make this guy truly content? Yeah, there's a lot of quotes from Mbappe on all of these issues as well, which surprised me as I was reading your piece from back in November and, and Mario's this week as well. He always seems to have his say, no matter what the, the, the scandal is at the time or the speculation is at the time. I suppose the wider question that this brings up as well is, is Ligue 1 and PSG's capability of keeping a player like Mbappe and, and bigger than that as well you know the the ownership of PSG are they are they finding this as an example of what they're actually up against all the investment all the time everything that they've put into to building PSG up to this point are they sort of beginning to look elsewhere as well are they looking for the next player in the mix zone <laughs> they're definitely interested in the Premier League there's no question about that now after the World Cup this kind of the order came down to QSI, the Qatar Sport Investments and Nasser Al-Khalafi that we want we want feet on the ground in the Premier League. Anyone in particular? They've spoken to Tottenham. Uh, they've had a meeting with Daniel Levy. Those talks are continuing. I think they have an interest in Manchester United. At this point, that's all it is. I think Tottenham at the moment seems to be the one that that's going furthest. The general idea is they want they want a minority stake. So they're not looking at a full takeover at this point because the UEFA rules are you can't have you know you can't have a P- you can't own PSG or Manchester United and play against each other in the Champions League um, in European competition that's why many of these multi-club models would usually you know you see Man City the clubs they own around Europe it'll rarely be one that's in the Champions League so like Girona in Spain for example yeah initially I think they'd be looking at like a 5 to 10% stake and no control that's the key thing from kind of the regulations point of view, it would give them no control, probably no directors, but it would give them, you know, it starts to give them more political influence over a club. It's also the way that Qataris talk about it is they're two driving factors. Critics will say the driving factor is sports washing, trying to cleanse human rights abuses, et cetera, et cetera. The Qataris argue, one, it's all about a fear of their neighbours. So over the last few years, they've had huge issues with Saudi Arabia the UAE, other neighbouring Gulf states blockading Qatar. If you have feet on the ground in the biggest league in the world, then it gives you more political clout and more people are being inclined to stand up for you. It'll put more pressure on British government, blah, 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 American government to stand up. The other side of it is gas is running out and they can't, they can't live off gas forever. So it's all about then diversifying the economy investing in different things, whether that's sport, whether it's film, whether it's energy, you know, all these different sectors that they're involved in. The idea after the World Cup was, you know, we, you know, well, we've got through the World Cup pretty well. The perception of Qatar is pretty good. So, I mean, that from a kind of football industry point of view, therefore, why don't we 
you know, be a bit more ambitious. And I think long term, there is a possibility it means they dial down PSG and dial up the minority stake wherever they take that in the Premier League. But that's a long, long process. PSG are going to sell, I think, again, possibly to two US investors, small stakes as well in PSG over the next year or so. But again, those will be small stakes as well. So it's a, it's a really interesting time here because you've got really big clubs on the market in terms of Man United, Liverpool, Tottenham are kind of always not for sale, but interested in investment, avail- available. You wonder how long Arsenal, the Cronkers will remain in their current position, which is simply not for sale. It's a fascinating moment for them to make that switch. But I don't see them at this moment being able, either from a regulatory point of view, with the conflicts over two clubs in the Champions League, or in terms of their commitment to Paris, where you know they've made a pretty big commitment there, and they don't want to dial that down just yet at all. There's no, you know, all the indications they're fully committed there, certainly in the short to medium term. So I don't see it being like they're going to go and bid 7 billion for Man United tomorrow. I think they are interested in what that situation really is, what it is that the Glazers are really looking for. Is it a minority partner? Is it a full sale? Is it someone to come in with 10% and give them a bit of money that could then in 10 to 15 years become a full sale. And I think that's something that quite a few of the bidders are trying to work out. How well do the Glazer siblings get on? And what's the impact of that? Are all the Glazer siblings aligned on whether they want to sell Manchester United or sell a minority stake in Manchester United? So those are all the kind of background conversations that's going on at the moment. Thank you to our guests today then, Adam and Mario. Remember, You can read Mario's piece in full on The Athletic now. And if you're not a subscriber, remember you can join up by taking advantage of our offer of £1.99 a month for the first 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. But for the moment, thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. The Athletic.